Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in to us today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches and consultants. We have the folks who help others create and build their businesses and then flip that coin. We have you do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you're one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content is added every Tuesday. Over 170 episodes will be immediately available for your perusal, covering a wide variety of topics pertinent to business creators. Also, every five-star rating, including this episode, helps us help more business creators just like you. So today, we are going to get to the heart, as I like to say, of what makes for creating a successful business that supports your your dreams and your lifestyle. I remember back when I was in MBA school, and I was taking one of the many, many courses on business this or business that. You know, don't get me wrong, I love my MBA. It's something I'm very proud of, and it's been very helpful to me in my career. Uh, there was one thing that I think was missed, though, and this, I guess, today's episode in a way is going to be an opportunity to, in a way, set that straight, but also develop upon the concept. And I'm remembering a day, this was in about the year 2001, and the instructor asked the class, what is the most important thing that a business does? And I raised my hand, he called on me, and I said, the most important thing a business does is to make money. And he thought that was the most, I'm going to use his words, stupid, asinine thing he ever heard, because that's like saying that the most important thing a human being does is breathe. Well, yeah, if you, know, if you don't breathe, you die, number one. And number two, uh, if you don't have the cash flow and you don't have the financial security, then pretty much any dreams you have of changing the world, giving back, leaving your mark on society, and creating the difference you'd like to see is going to come to naught because it's going to be much more challenging for you to try and give your last dime than it's going to be for you to – Give with abundance from an overflowing cup, knowing that you've served yourself in ways of serving others. So what we're going to cover today, and this is a topic that I love, and I am just beside myself with joy that we're able to do this one here on Business Creators Radio Show. It's called Master Your Cash Flow, The Secret to Consistent Income with Less Effort. And to help us present that today, we have none other than Melanie Benson. Hi. You may have very well heard of. Hello, Melanie. Hi. So Thanks, Adam, for having me on. You bet. I'm going to read off the official bio, and then you're going to tell us your fun story, uh, okay. which you've told me before, and I love hearing, and I just want you to say it again because it's so awesome. Uh, Melanie Benson, for those of you who know, and it's just pretty much all of you, is an optimizer and has a gift for guiding fast-paced, mission-driven entrepreneurs to thrive in their small business. Melanie is a revenue strategist uncovering what derails you from productivity and progress, ultimately freeing you to scale your influence and income without overwhelm. Melanie is the host of the Amplify Your Success podcast, author of Rewired for Wealth, co-author of Entrepreneur.com's Startup Guide to Starting an Information Marketing Business, and has her success tips featured in magazines such as the American Express Open Forum, Bloomberg Business Week, Woman's Day, 
Parenting Magazine, and the University of Phoenix Alumni Magazine. She's on the executive team for the Women's Speakers Association, as well as the council, as is the council chair for the Association of Transformational Leaders. That is impressive. That is fun. And I've known you for over 10 years now. I mean, this is about the 11th year of us knowing each other, which is very exciting. And I've had many opportunities, uh, you know, through things we've done together in the past, things we're doing in terms of our work with Jim Palmer's Dream Business Academy movement and things like that, to hear you tell your story about how you've arrived here at your intersection of brilliance and passion. But please, please, for my enjoyment and for our audience, tell us. <laughs> but I feel like we need a drum roll, right? <laughs> Oh, I well, that. thanks, Adam. That's such a that's such an awesome setup. And so the fun story. Uh, well, I've been in the work of entrepreneurism for 15 years, almost getting close to 16 years now. And you know, it all started because I was in a corporate job that where I felt like I was a round peg trying to find a shape that fit. And like many uh, corporate refugees who really discover that the corporate world is not for them. I realized very quickly that trying to fit myself into a shape that that uh, employer at the time, which was a Fortune 500 company, you know, they had all kinds of options, but none of them really fit for me. And uh, as I entered into the path of entrepreneurism, taking you know my master's degree and you know a gazillion uh, different backgrounds around business and business planning and project planning, I quickly realized that none of that, like you were saying earlier, all the great education in the world. Uh, didn't set me up for success as an entrepreneur. I loved the freedom. Like, isn't that really why all of us start a business anyway? We want some freedom, whether it's time freedom, financial freedom. But we know that being in command of our own ideas and being able to translate those to a monetizable business plan, it's like it's the, it's the passion, it's the drive. And for me, I had all the passion in the world, but I didn't have a way to create cash flow, let alone consistent cash flow. And very quickly, I found myself uh, struggling and really suffering and wondering if I was ever going to make this work and doubting and in fear and facing a computer screen with a bank account that had very little in it and I didn't know where more was coming from. And it's at those moments that I believe are real pivot points. There was a pivot point for me where I looked at that number enough times and I reached out to the bank, which my bank was called Dad, and asked <laughs> if there was a way I could borrow some more money. And when the answer came back, no, I realized that I needed a better plan, like the one I was using wasn't working. And two things happened. One, I was willing to do what I had been unwilling to do to get results. See, many of us approach it at a comfort level, and I was definitely in a comfort level, and I think we can all relate to that. Like, we want to do the thing we feel best at, but that wasn't getting me what I wanted. That wasn't getting me results. What was getting me results was shifting my mindset and coming up with a strategy to create uh, basically revenue boosts and then consistent revenue when I needed it the most. And so I know that's what we're going to talk about today, but I have to say um, the mindset was first. I had to be willing to change the way I was thinking and what I valued in order to create a higher level of predictable cash flow. And that's what allowed me to propel from struggling at the $1,000 a month mark to hitting six figures in just under nine months 
And then really expanding my team, expanding my ability to impact, being uh, able to be considered a very influential leader in our industry, and being able to positively impact the lives of thousands of entrepreneurs who could learn what I had learned so that their business could thrive too. And that's really what drives me. That's what gets me excited is being able to take everything that I've learned and help someone else be able to be the ripple maker. That's great. And you mentioned just a moment ago something that I really want to get into right away because this is sort of the, for some folks, it's the fork in the road or the turning point or the Rubicon they need to cross, is why do so many entrepreneurs and business owners, in your experience working with so many of them, struggle mm -hmm. with creating predictable income? Yeah. You know, there's seven mistakes that I see people making. I'm going to cover some of them a little bit deeper, but I'm just going to hit the high level since – since okay. we're, we're sticking to an hour here today. But and, and by the way, these are these are mistakes that even the smartest, most savviest business owners and even business owners who are way up into the high six and seven figures make because they either are operating from a place of fear and they're doing things just to keep the cash flow coming in or they've never really shifted their mindset from make money to grow business, and it's a different mindset. So let me just tackle these really quick. Uh, the first one, and this almost always creates a huge uh, cash flow issue for people, and that is you're trapped in a selling time for money service-based business. And so what that means is the only way to make money is you sell an hour of your time. And most of the people are also stuck in mistake number two, and that is they're charging way too little for that time. And uh, that, that opens up a whole can of worms around mindset. I'm just going to stick to the cash flow piece today. But ultimately, when you're charging way too little and you're trapped and I have to sell my time in order to make money for the business, you set yourself up basically in a job that causes you to not be able to scale your income without you. And so there's a, there's a recipe of fixing that, which we'll hopefully have time to get into later. But those are number one and number two trapped in time, selling time for money, and charging way too little. Now, oh, and by the way, there's another way that we charge way too little, and this is, this is an interesting Pandora's box, especially if you've been studying Internet marketing or you have a product that you sell. A lot of people think if I have a product, great, I can sell thousands of them and I don't have to be there, which is the right idea. But when you're charging too little for it you, and you have to have a pipeline that's constantly churning people through it, and there's a lot of uh, mistake points along the way of, of retention and having strategies to fill those uh, lead generation needs, what can happen is you still struggle. And I see a lot of my clients making this mistake, and it's, it's a painful mistake because they're like, I'm doing the right thing, but it's not working. So there's two ways charging too little comes into play. The third mistake is uh, it's tied to the planning side of it, and it's not having what I call the marketing machine or a launch plan. And what that means is you actually don't have a system of how you are creating consistent leads and how you are prioritizing what gets your time and attention. So ultimately, you're like just flying by the seat of your pants all the time, and you're winging it, and that's why your cash flow goes up, and then it goes down, and sometimes you have big paydays, and sometimes you don't, because you're not really working a plan that's designed to deliver predictable cash flow. Um, the next one, Adam, I know you're going to love because you've heard me talk about this a gazillion times over the last 15 uh -huh. years, 
And that's chasing too many ideas. And for some people, you may have heard of bright, shiny objects. Uh Well, the reason this becomes a mistake is you spread yourself too thin. And often those ideas don't really amount to anything. And sometimes they are starting to get traction, but you're, you're serving too many masters, so to speak. And you're trying to, I always call it like the train syndrome. You've got too many trains you're trying to, to lead to results, and, and you're going in too many different directions. So it's a huge issue for cash flow because oftentimes you can't move the big ones, the big money makers, far enough, fast enough, and that causes a lot of struggle. The next one, mistake number five, is being overly dependent on unstable lead sources. Now, I just want to share my own personal story on this one. I'm going to go a little bit into it because this was really destructive for me. I had a major learning in my own arc of being, you know, at the top of my game and then really hitting a, a landmine, so to speak, that caught me off guard. And it was a great learning because I started to see how many of my clients were facing the same thing. And that is you start to put too many eggs in one lead source bucket. So this is a lot of things for us. For me, I had two to three partners that I strategically aligned with and I spoke at their events for years. And when the market changed and or they decided to offer similar things to to what I did, all of a sudden my amazing lead sources that generated, you know, at least six figures per (laughs) started to dry up. And I didn't have another game plan at the time. So then, you know, my team and I were scrambling to fix that. Today, this this was 10 years ago, but today we have so many different lead sources. But what happens is people get comfortable with certain lead sources and they over like have high expectations or overly rely on certain ones and they're not diversifying it. So what happens is one of those lead sources stops to work. For instance, many people in the internet marketing world uh, were relying on Facebook ads and then every time the Facebook ad game changed, their leads would tank. This happened with uh, uh, Google, and a lot of people just got crippled by some of the changes they made along the way because they were overly reliant on that lead source. So my counsel, my advice here, as we look at this as a mistake, is have different lead sources that drive ideal clients and don't overly rely on just one or two that could basically that are out of your control and could change at any time. I learned that lesson, painful lesson, big cash flow hit, but it allowed us to grow and and have better strategies to keep consistent, predictable leads that transform to clients. So I got two more, Adam. You want me to cover both of the next two? Oh, we've come this far. (laughs) Okay. I don't want to take too much time, but I want to make sure we cover these next two. Um, The sixth one is doing more of poor profit-producing activities. This is uh, an awareness piece because many of us get caught up in this busyness cycle and we don't stop to think, is this actually producing a result? And we literally just create habits of doing the same things all the time. But we're not asking ourselves, how well is this performing? And so this is something I end up working with a lot of clients on because I am an optimizer. My job is to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and how to how to really do more of the things that can produce better results. And just pay attention to where you maybe get on this treadmill and you're doing things without realizing they're not working. 
there's a client I have that I've worked with for about six years, and I recently got more involved in uh, what we call the, the dashboard, like the CEO-level controls, because that's one of my expertise areas. And as we started to look at the numbers and really dialed in, we started to realize that a lot of things they thought were working to produce members were not. And so we had to reroute a bunch of things. So that was it's very illuminating when you understand where your best people come from, but it can be frustrating if you don't understand it because you're like, why is this not working better? So an awareness piece, definitely something, a, a case to be made for tracking your numbers. Now, here's the biggest mistake, and it's focusing on cash flow now at the expense of cash flow forever. And the, what I mean by that is many of us are always in that winging, winging it mode, and we're like, okay, how do I get cash in the door this month? But we never spend the time to actually create a plan that will keep cash flow coming in over and over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean it, you, we don't adapt and grow. What I mean is focusing on cash today at the expense of having a plan and allowing yourself to think bigger and really create consistent, predictable cash flow. Those are my seven mistakes, Adam. And I'm kind of yep, curious I, what people see themselves in. Like, did you notice one? I don't know if there's a way that people can uh, interact with us today and share their insights along the way. I'm sure you'll share that later. But I would love to know which of those mistakes you think could be up for you in your business. I would encourage everybody to go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com or you can check out this posting on our Facebook fan page or our Twitter and uh, you'll be able to comment underneath that. We would be very happy to hear that as well. I'll tell you which one hit home for me the most, though, me personally, mm -hmm. is number seven. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at some patterns in my business growth, particularly around the 2010-2011 era, when I transitioned from being uh, less of a technician into being more of a consultant and, and writer type person, uh, what would happen is I would – lay all the groundwork, and I'd make some of the preliminary moves towards getting the types of clients and the types of business I want. And then the monetary side of that wouldn't kick in as fast as I was hoping for. And then comes along something from the past, somebody offering me the opportunity to do that thing that I'm trying to get away from. Oh, but the money's real good, so it should be easy. I'll take it, okay. And then I end up regretting it because it's just dominates my life and uh, it really sucks and everything else and I get reminded why I don't want to do this anymore and uh, when I tell that story a lot of people latch on to it because they've done the same thing and yep. I think that comes from what you you know illustrate is the is number seven is uh, em, you know emphasizing that money right now without paying proper attention as I understand the way you position that to the long-term cash flow forever and laying those, step, those, those groundwork so that the cash flow you want forever is going to come in. Uh, you take all these detours just to get a little cash bump here and there, and literally what that's going to do is it's going to put potholes and obstacles in your road. That's my, my take on it. No, you're yeah. dead on, and I see it all the time. I'm really glad you brought that example up because this is actually the biggest mistake because it's seductive. We have to have cash coming in the door right now to stay in business. And we always start to, uh, when, when we need the cash or when it's easy cash in our mind, we'll oftentimes put aside the greatest revenue opportunities for the safest cash flow in the moment. Right. And the problem with safe is it doesn't really get you anywhere because the same way that safe protects us 
it also restricts us because it puts a barrier around our ability to expand. I kind of learned that from you in a roundabout way. <laughs> well, you know, I plant the seeds and then they grow and uh, take take uh, fruition, right? And sometimes seeds grow in their own time as well. That's another thing we need to remember as well when we're talking about cash flow. Uh, those of you who are listeners who do gardening, who, who have planted trees, uh, do anything involving plants. You put the seed in the ground, and you can't dictate that the plants or the tree or the fruit or whatever or the vegetable is going to grow at a certain rate within a certain amount of time. You nurture it. You make sure it has proper soil, proper lighting. You take care of it. You protect it from predators. You weed it. Uh, you do everything you can to facilitate its growth. And that's the best way that you can uh, make sure that it does grow to the size and the level that you want it to as quickly as possible. But you can't just look at that seed and say, seed, you will turn into a strapping, sturdy oak tree in 24 hours. It just doesn't work that way. And uh, going and planting some other little saplings while neglecting to nurture your new oak tree sapling is not going to make that oak tree grow any faster. I agree. In fact, it'll get in the way. So um, some of our listeners may be thinking, uh, but, you know, I'm just starting out, or I'm at a point right now where I just don't have any more bandwidth, wh whatever it is. So the question I have for you is, does the stage of your business evolution affect your ability to generate income? Yes and no. I think there's there's two ways that, that this shows up. Um, one of which is when you're in the early days, like the first phase of business is really, well, actually this is technically the second phase because the first phase is deciding you want a business and figuring out what you're going to do. <laughs> so if we consider phase two the phase where you've launched, and it's all about bringing in money, right? And yeah. in that stage, you're figuring out a lot of pieces and parts of the puzzle. So you're trying to make sure that your positioning of your offers is really talking to the client's and the, and the prospects who can say yes. And, and so it's figuring out that, that uh, puzzle piece of fitting all those, uh, the, the conversation, the sales process, the marketing language. Is the offer you know, sexy and enticing to my ideal clients? So there's a lot of pieces to figure out for cash flow. And once you get that cash flow in place, you are unleashed. But here's where it gets interesting. One of the sticky points, because a lot of my clients come to me when the cash flow has been you know, building and there's momentum, but they are finding it hard to sustain that growth. And here's where it gets interesting is, one, you're still focusing on the marketing and lead generation instead of the retention and supporting the clients you already have. And our friend Jim Palmer has been saying this for years, uh, something we've all, you know, learned much about through him, and that is that a um, – uh, sorry, I'm trying, now I'm trying to get it straight in my head. <laughs> all of a sudden, sorry. Like, how does he say it? Uh, you know, a focusing on retention is ten times more profitable than focusing on lead generation. That What that means right. is once somebody has committed to work with you or they are, they've already uh, displayed their trust in the relationship that you have and started to buy from you, they're they're basically – ready to buy more if you've done a good job of delivering your services and products. And you don't have to spend so much money to acquire that lead. They're already there. But what most people at that fast growth stage do, or I shouldn't say most, but many people, 
is if they are still focused on the lead generation, they don't necessarily take good care of those clients. And they don't stay. They don't keep buying. So now you have a high-cost lead generation problem. And that's what destroys your profits, which ultimately keeps you in that I need more cash today system. I have a client who I'm working through this with right now where they didn't even understand what their retention was. And they didn't realize they were leaking. They had a leak, a profit leak that was destroying their members staying in their company. And once we fixed that, then they realized that they were spending so much money and time trying to get more people because the revenue was down and they didn't understand why. So knowing what's going on in that cycle is extraordinarily important. And so those are the two big places that I think it really affects us is we don't know who our client is in stage two and we don't, we're don't we not able to sell enough because the match between the offer and the client language, the prospect language is misaligned and people aren't getting it. So that can keep your cash flow from being uh, right. And a big problem there, Adam, is people focus on the features of what they're doing instead of how your product or offering solves problems. In phase three, if you're fast growth and you can't sustain it, oftentimes people are focusing on bringing more cash in through leads instead of keeping the clients you have in your pipeline. So I could go on and on and on, but I know we only have so much time today, and so we'll, we'll just leave it at that on, on that one. Yeah, we're going to speed up here a little bit, but I'm going to tell you one thing that came to mind is I've seen some entrepreneurs um, in the info product area who will do product launches, which is great, and they'll sell this big course, and they'll have the bonuses and everything else. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes those bonuses just never get quite delivered. The reason yeah. being is as soon as they finish that launch, they're now moving on to the next launch because they have a business that's dependent on launch to launch to launch to launch. So their energy immediately shifts to, well, where am I going to make my next money? Now, if you're doing repetitive and frequent product launches, that is a good thing. But you also need to have the infrastructure in place to support fully delivering those promises. I mean, it's actually sad the extent to which I've seen bonuses not really delivered or half-assed delivered at a much later date because they've already moved on yep. to something completely else, and I just don't think that's quite right. Uh, I had one client, and this was years ago. Let's go back almost 10 years. I had one client that would do this, and so I imposed a rule on them that uh, we just wouldn't help them launch anything unless they demonstrate to me that the entire product already existed before they deign sell it. Not because I wanted to hold them back or because I wanted to build a wall of safety around them, but because I wanted to keep them out of the jam they, get, they kept putting themselves in where they would uh, overpromise and drastically underdeliver and it would harm them. I totally agree. <laughs> overpromise and underdeliver will kill your cash flow. Yes, yes. So here's another issue that hits home for me, and I, and I dealt with this a year ago. Uh, 2014 calendar year 2014, was the best year my business ever had. So fast forward to the middle of April 2015, and I had my quarterly taxes for the business that needed paid, and I'm looking around saying, so I made all this money last year. Well, where the hell is it? I, 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 I don't even want to talk about how I came up with the money to make my EFTPS payments, but 
I, this is a situation that when I shared it with my own mastermind and some people close to me really hit home for them too is why is it that some people make big money but then they're looking around like, well, where's the, where's the cash? Where did it all go? Which speaks to, in many cases, cash flow issues. How does that happen? Well, this is a great question, and there's typically one of two reasons. There could be some other reasons going on, too, but typically I see one of two things. And one of them I just tackled on my own podcast. I know you mentioned that earlier, Amplify Your Success. And it has to do with our mindset. And so I don't know if this resonates for you, but uh, I suspect it's going to be the second one for you. But... The first one is the mindset around money, and that is many people, and by the way, I've worked with seven-figure business owners who do the same thing, and that is they have an unhealthy relationship with money. And so when money comes in, it feels slightly uncomfortable or massively uncomfortable to be creating wealth, so they spend it as fast as they make it. And so that has to do with our money habits, and that has to do with a mindset and a little bit of a system. Um, and, and so ultimately the quickest fix on that one is when – you recognize that you've got a pattern is you have to recode the mindset that you have around cash flow and learning how to be a different steward of the revenue that's coming in. The second uh, issue that I think is probably the biggest reason is the difference between being top-line focused and profit-focused. Top-line basically means you are measuring your success by how much revenue you bring in gross revenue, <laughs> and you don't have a good handle on what your net revenue is, which is where profit gets evaluated. And I see this as a, um, this is basically a worldwide issue. This is not necessarily any one sector or any type of, you know, it's not necessarily um, unique to entrepreneurs or small business owners. I mean, I see people all around the world in every walk of life struggle with this. And when it comes to being an entrepreneur, it can be deadly to your cash flow and, your, and to your well-being because when we're stressed about keeping money coming in the door, your health starts to suffer. And if you stay stressed long enough, it can turn into some pretty significant health issues. So for the sake of health as well as financial well-being, we have to start training ourselves to be profit-oriented instead of top-line-oriented and measuring our success on profitability instead of, did I make six figures? Did I make 500000 Did I make seven figures? That doesn't matter if you aren't keeping money, if you're not uh, moving that money to uh, reserve accounts and to your salary and things like that. I know seven-figure business owners, Adam, that don't even take a salary. If you're not taking a salary, you're wow. not profitable. So there's a lot of ways to dig into that. That's a bigger conversation and a very unique and individualized right. conversation. But just for the sake of knowing where your biggest problems are coming from, if you're making good money but it's not there when you need it and you always seem to be struggling, you've probably got one of those two issues. Right. So to be clear, I mean, we're actually talking about people, they have seven-figure grosses in their business, but their cash flow is so off kilter that they are not even paying themselves yes and and here's another example i worked with a woman wow. in ireland um several years ago she was making seven figures um she regularly had hundred twenty thousand hundred fifty thousand dollar months uh and she had no problem making money but she had no idea where all that money was going because she was playing the unconscious game like stick my head in the sand and i'm just i know how to make money it's got to be working out but what was happening is she was spending 
more money on her team and all of the technology and her own, you know, she was taking money out of the business, but she was doing it not from salary, but just taking uh, draws, owner draws. And so she was upside down cash flow-wise and was going into debt. See, the thing is, it doesn't make it matter how much money you're making. It matters where you're directing that that cash in order to serve the business in a greater way. Right. Like, uh, you know, for the people who are on my team and my business, uh, I, you know, when, when, I, when I reveal the numbers that I pay these folks, uh, some people look at that and say, wow, you sure pay a lot of money. Uh, that is true. And I'll tell you the reason I do it is because I work with people who I can trust to function entirely autonomously because there are certain areas of my business that while I do monitor to make sure things are going properly and give input where requested and where needed, I don't want to have it on my plate every day. So I look for that return on investment. So the, so the investment is maybe I pay more than I have to. Fine. The return on investment is, is it clears up a lot of space. Yes, so, totally. So, totally. I mean, and and yes, there's some things yes. we'll talk about in a minute too that that can help with yes. that as well. You know, give you some some cash boost strategies. Right, right, right. So why don't we just go right into that? Uh, not sure. uh, not to turn over the lead of the dance here, but I think that's a great <laughs> jumping off point. So you know, there's a couple. So basically, I'm going to give you a couple tips from something that I created called uh, my top ten rapid cash strategies. And these are things that over the last 15 years I've either used for myself or I've used with a client to help solve the cash flow at its different stages. And there's a couple of different things that we cover in here. Some of them are, I need money right now, right? We all face that. Let's say a big client that you uh, have a lot of revenue coming from uh, has a knee-jerk reaction and all of a sudden is gone. You know, they had a cash flow issue. They're deciding to go a different direction, whatever. And all of a sudden, your big nut is gone, and you you got to get some cash in the door. So I'm going to share one of my best strategies, one of my favorite strategies for resolving that quickly. Uh, and then I want to cover a couple of things that help with ongoing cash boosts. And there are little things that are running like behind the scenes that can actually create really awesome cash flow in a automatic way. Okay, so there, there's all different kinds here, but I think those would be some fun ones since we. Uh, you know, we don't have time to go through all of them. So let's talk about let's do it. you got a client who's disappeared uh, or something else has happened. You get a big tax bill that you, un- you didn't expect or whatever. You've got this big need for big cash quickly. One of my favorite things to do is to introduce a high-ticket offer. Now, there's a couple of assumptions here, one of which is you already have a relationship with and, and you've already built a community of people that you've been nurturing the relationship with. Uh, And the second assumption is that you know how to sell (laughs) because when you have a high-ticket offer, you do know how to to have to sell and enroll people. But a high-ticket offer is basically a premium offer that has a higher price point to it. And I want you to think uh, like a $2,500 to $10,000 level. It could even be larger than that. It could be like a $25,000 or or $100,000 if you're already at that level and you need even more. But the idea is that you're going to put a package together that either you don't offer all the time or you've never offered before. And you want to create a system to drive leads into this offer and enroll people quickly. Now, 
this is could be an ongoing strategy for you as well. Like this could end up being part of your rotation. But the reason a high ticket offer works to drive fast cash is because you're getting a big lump sum. You're getting a big amount of money coming in quickly, or you're getting several people to do higher price, uh, sorry, higher priced payment plans that brings revenue in quickly. Now I'm going to tie this to one of the other techniques in um, the fast or the rapid cash uh, tools that I share. And when you do a high ticket offer, one of the things you can do to actually get even more cash flow coming in is offer a prepaid discount. So let's say you've got a package of 10000 If somebody pays in full up front, maybe you discount it to 7500 or 8000 Now, that's a big chunk of cash coming in quickly. So with a high-ticket offer, and you know, if you're starting to feel nervous about this as you're listening and thinking, well, what would I have for a high-ticket offer? That won't work for me. I'm just going to you know, invite you to calm the monkey chatter and stay open um, because the truth of the matter is it doesn't have to be $2,500. If, if you typically charge $47 or you've got a lot of low price items, maybe your high ticket offer is $500 to $1,000, right? We have to look at this from the perspective that it can work in a lot of different contexts. But stay open. Uh, if you don't know how to do it for yourself, get some help. Get a strategy session with a coach and figure out how you could translate that to your world and put it immediately into action. So that's one of my favorites for big, big, big cash boosts. Um, I wanted to also share a couple of ways to bring some ongoing cash boosts in. And I like to consider these, the they're like the running behind the scenes, and they create like magic cash. Like I like to consider the stuff you don't count on magic cash. So this could be, you know, like a joint venture arrangement that you have with somebody. Uh, I have one where every month I get these somewhere between, you know, 200 to $500 checks every month. And it's always a surprise. It's magic for me. <laughs> and um, those are fun. But another way that we do it uh, here is, uh, and this is a little bit advanced, and it assumes you have a uh, an online presence or a point-of-sale presence. And they're called upsells and downsells. Actually, we'll just talk about upsells here because uh, that'll keep it tight. But the idea of an upsell is somebody's asking, they're buying something that you have, and when they say yes and they're moving to the next step, you offer them a significant discount on a complimentary service when they uh, add it to their sale right then and there. It's kind of like that you only get it right now. I want to give you a couple of examples. Uh, ladies, or and gentlemen, I guess some of our gentlemen may, may do this as well. Uh, if you've ever been to the nail salon and, and they're in the middle of doing your, you know, they're, they're doing, soaking your fingers, and, and, uh, or you know, maybe you're getting the pedicure and, and the lady says, would you like to add massage to that? That's an upsell, right? They're going to charge extra. They don't necessarily discount it, but they charge extra. Uh, and, and they're adding a service to it. GoDaddy does this all the time. You buy something, you know, would you like to do, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> added to it, right? They give you like $70 billion. It's a little overkill, <laughs> but they're, they're the masters <laughs> of it. Um, and I've been seeing this happen for years and years and years online where you click the button to buy, you put your information in, and they're like, hey, before you go, I think this would really help you get more value. I have to tell you, I usually improve my uh, revenues by 40% when we add an upsell. And you don't want to be obnoxious about it, 
but you genuinely believe that this is something that would help the buyer get even more value or it's something they're probably going to want later anyway and they're giving them a chance to get it for a better price at the point of purchase. So that's one of my magic income uh, fund strategies I love to put into place with my clients because it's working without you all the time. That's very true, and uh, and I lo- and I love especially the thing about the upsells, and it is it is very accurate that you can add a significant amount of income very quickly. Because think about it: when's the best time to get somebody to say yes when they've just said yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that euphoria and that high if they've just made an investment, and if you can reach out to them effectively and say, "Hey, look, you've made a major investment here, and this is going to be huge for you." Now we found that. Many folks who take the step that you've just taken come back to us later and realize that they also need X, Y, or Z. So what we'd like to do is give you an opportunity to get it at a discount or bundle up or whatever language you need to use around that. And that has been proven very effective. Every time we've ever used that strategy, it's worked like gangbusters. But to your point, yeah, don't be obnoxious about it. Uh, So basically – Look at what GoDaddy does and find like the 40% of what they do that you think you could apply to their business. I remember there was this one time uh, we were changing DNS servers, which is that thing that causes your, uh, your domain to point to a website so your website goes live. So we were changing the DNS servers, which is basically just enter information and click enter, and GoDaddy actually interrupted the changing of the DNS server to say, hey, would you like to buy GoDaddy hosting? I'm thinking, goodness. Gracious! Don't be that type of type of upseller. But think about think about what the person who has just invested in you will also need. And also be in touch with your customers. Find out how things work out for them, and you will get a sense of the thing that they also need. You'll start to see that trend. Uh, you know, no matter who your customer is, uh, you're never too good to pick up the phone and thank them for making the investment or have somebody do that for you. Uh, so I know we've all had that moment. Well, actually, no, we already covered that one. Boy, your yep. is so good. Um, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, we're mostly focusing on cash flow here, but actually I would like to go into the mindset a little bit further because this is something else that I've seen uh, with my masterminders, with uh, entrepreneurs I know, and even within that guy I see in the mirror every morning. And not you know, that, that crazy guy that's usually holding a cat that's desperate to claw him. But anyway, um, if we all, if we haven't, um, if we haven't thought about this up until now, we need to think about it now. Which is, what if someone is doing all the right things? So they listen to everything that you've just said that they need to do to experience their dream business, their intersection of their brilliance and passion, whatever we want to call it. But the income is just always a problem. So, you know, it's funny. Mindset really plays into everything we do, doesn't it? Like, especially as an entrepreneur, our income is directly related to what we're willing to do or what we've been unwilling to do. And so there's a couple things that I think could be really, really valuable about the idea of mindset as it plays into creating consistent cash flow. And one of it is to really look at how willing are you to do what works versus do only what's comfortable. You know, there's a great saying, and I don't know who originated it. I've heard several people try to claim it over the years. But, um, you know, are you committed or are you interested? 
and I believe, and I and I like to play with. Like I like to help entrepreneurs who are committed. And the, and the way to know the difference, and this is directly goes to your mindset. An interested person does what's comfortable and only enough to not be in pain. A committed person is willing to do whatever it takes and be uncomfortable to create the change, to have the goal, to uh, create the level of of freedom that they crave and that they dream of. And so the mindset comes down to if you've only been interested, why? And one of the things that I would like to encourage you to become committed to is planning for profitable cash, to plan for profitable business. The winging it is destructive. It feels fun. Like a lot of creative visionaries they get like it's kind of like crack for entrepreneurs, right? It's like <laughs> that rush of energy is like creating, and oh my god, there's all this drama, and I have to figure stuff out. Well, you know, actually, there's a more healthy way to use all that energy, all that creative mind power, and the creative problem solving can be better utilized to grow your business in a in a more sustainable way. When you're caught into caught up in the drama of how do I get cash in the door today, your best self doesn't get to see what's next. You're completely in the weeds all the time of how to get money in the door. And it's it's kind of like shifting from I'm the technician to I'm the leader of a business that that is sustainable in its growth. And it requires a different mindset. It requires a different commitment. And so all of this boils down to, am I willing to become the person who has a profitable business and do a few things better instead of chasing things that are half-assed performing all the time and not really getting me the results I want? By the way, that second one, that's the recipe for overwhelm, for burnout, for exhaustion, for financial struggle. So it's, it's really a choice point. And mindset means you believe in your worth. You believe that you deserve. You believe that it's possible even if you don't know how. But you're committed to the outcome more than you're interested in, oh, that's nice. If it happens, it happens. Right. So that's a big shift for a lot of people. And that, by the way, was the shift I had to go through back in 2000 and two or two that was like midway through two thousand one that propelled me out of that thousand dollar a month struggle and into a six figure business which kept doubling year after year for many years. Well see that and see that's really good and that's something that uh I really appreciate you taking the time to share that with us uh because I've seen another phenomenon happen and maybe you have an insight on this. If there's anybody who would have an insight on this, it's gonna be you. Uh I have heard people say that it seems like every time they experience an increase in their income, like uh, like a, like they bring on a new clientele or they get used to a new level of what a regular amount of business is or they raise their rates consistently or what have you, but it seems like they might jump ahead for about a month or so, but then they're right back to where they were in terms of the distance between their revenues and their profits. And mm. you ask them some of the usual questions like, and they say, no, 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 no. We're not paying for 19 technologies we don't use. In fact, I cancel stuff all the time. Or they'll say, uh, no, 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 no. I only have, 
I only have three team members, and they all give me seven to one ROI, so that's covered. And no, I'm not spending money on on vanity websites or things like that. And if you look at their numbers and you look at their plans, it's actually really smart. But yet, it seems like what's happening is every time their income reaches a new level, a higher consistent level, somehow they find themselves very quickly with that same low gap between their revenues and their profits. How do we explain that? Yes. What you're talking about is the phenomenon of an unconscious financial ceiling. And uh, I actually just did an episode on this on my podcast uh, recently because it's so huge. It's it's unconscious. We don't know it's happening. But what happens is we all have the set point of what we believe we can achieve financially in terms of success, like how much accomplishment we can have. And when we hit that, we start to self-sabotage or we take, you know, we kind of pull back a little bit and get ourselves distracted again. And it can be very illuminating and empowering to understand how your financial ceiling is established and what you can do to break free. And in in that episode, I actually give an exercise that's really powerful uh, to help you shatter that financial ceiling. So that's what's happening when it it occurs. You have an unconscious set point for how much money you are believing you can achieve in this life. And we all have it, right? Like for some people it's 100,000, for some people it's 50,000. Usually it's determined by how much we either saw our parents achieve or what the best we've ever done. It's just it's just mindset. It's just a wiring that's patterned in our neurology that causes us to stay stuck at that level. And so, you know, tips like what I teach you in uh, the rapid cash strategies, which is free by the way, and Adam, I'm happy to share it if you want me to give a download link for it, but it, you know, that sure. can help with you know an action that can produce better results but ultimately if you want your business to thrive you have to be willing to shift your mindset change the habits that you act from and up level your strategies and that's what allows you to produce consistent predictable income for the long term right uh that's and that's very interesting you mentioned the uh, i think you call it the cash flow ceiling but mm-hmm. I, I know, I know that feel, how that feels firsthand, where it seems like, okay, this is as far as I need to go, and as long as I make this number, I'm okay. And, I, and sometimes I've seen people even consciously recognize that as long as they clear $20,000 or $25,000 that month, you know, they're good, so they don't need to really push it beyond that. Uh, but what that's doing at the same time is building walls around uh, things. Now, uh, we have... Uh, I am going to give you the opportunity to share that link because it's awesome. And we have uh, just about nine minutes left before the uh, good folks at uh, at Blog Talk Radio tell us the time's up here. I'm going to take a a chance here. And if this is not something you can do, that's perfectly fine because in full disclosure to the audience, this wasn't covered in the green room. But there is a trend that I am seeing, and I think this is impacting a lot of people's cash flow, is they go online, they – find some comment that somebody posts that takes a position that they disagree with and, oh, they, they cannot stay silent any longer. They must say something. And next thing you know, uh, it's three hours later, they've been unfriended by six people, blocked by 12 others, and they've decided that they are going to go on a social justice tear. Meanwhile, they know full well that they have clients who have paid them for their services 
who have been ignored all day, and this has done absolutely nothing to move their business forward. Why do they do it anyway? Mm, this is a brilliant question, Adam. Well, you know, this is funny that you bring this up because obviously right now we're at a time in the United States that's very dicey, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of people really emotionalized by their position. It doesn't matter what position that you're in about our political environment uh, and other things sure. that are happening. Like I think, I think we're we're in a lot of turmoil as a world right now. And so here's a couple of things. One. I think you have to ask yourself, why is you getting um, pulled into that activity more important than serving your client, right? Like it's a little bit of a priorities piece. Now, obviously for some people right now, how they feel, like their values around the political environment is heightening, like it's becoming one of their big priorities. Uh, I want to just give a very simple technique, you know, First of all, I believe that time blocking is one of the best friends to any uh, service-based business owner or anybody who maybe is uh, uh, serving other people with their, you know, like your virtual assistant or social media person or whatever. Like right. you have to put the serving the people who have already paid you first, building future business second, and then you have time for you know the other pieces of your business. And again, this right. is how a lot of people get stuck in a service trap. So let's just say this is why a lot of people never get to part two is it takes them all day, every day to do part one, serve the clients that have already yeah. paid you. So you have to have time for both. Or you have to wait to automate one or the other so that you're constantly building leads while you're serving the clients you have. But right. this is a little bit of a, it's like it's a tender subject. And if somebody was coming to me, and or I noticed a client of mine was getting sucked into that kind of behavior online, I think I would have to ask them, what's really going on? Is there a self-sabotaging piece that's at play? Is there a, um, you know, is you know, do they need to like maybe downsize their clients because this is feeling like a, a new calling for them, and they're going to go in that direction for their work? But the big thing, and maybe you were alluding to this, Adam, is why are you doing this in social media? It's really shooting yourself right. in the foot to use social yeah. media right now if you're a social media expert or any person who has clients that are connected to you in the social media world. I know it's really seductive to use it as a platform for sharing what you're passionate about. But the truth be told is the way our world has shifted, everything that happens in the social media environment, basically online in general, there's a permanent record created out there and we need to be really conscious about the brand persona of what we put out in the world and yeah. maybe you need to create a blog under another another signature you know like create a create a <laughs> what do they call it like a ghost persona to write under yes or use your own yes. name if that's what you really want but but be conscious of what you're putting in social media i've watched people get into these Knock down, drag out fights on social media, and all you're doing is making yourself look really bad. So think That's about right. the bigger picture, right? It goes back to are you focused on cash flow today or cash flow for the future? When you're doing that, you're certainly in the moment and making the moment the priority. Think about the big picture. That's just my, my own take on it. And, uh, again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but you really need to think about how, how it's going to pay off in the long term. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. One, some things I suggest to folks uh, is if you uh, just 
need to uh you need to whatever it is you need to do uh go on twitter and create an anonymous account and just totally <laughs> just live it up i mean or instagram uh, <laughs> or whatever just make it completely anonymous and just do your thing and blow yeah. off your steam there uh and another thing is for those who uh, look at what's going on in the world today and are very excited about it, which is, in fact, a very significant part of our audience. Just on my understanding of our political demographics, there are a lot of people who think some of the things that are happening in the world today are the greatest thing that's happened to this country in 200 years. That's fine, too. But taking the whole day to go online and celebrate it or urge it on isn't going to get things done any faster. Uh, but in the meantime, your clients don't need you, your business don't need you, and your life don't need you. Is, is what I would say to that. So yeah, I think it on. kind of goes back to Melody's point, which is what are your priorities and where's your energy? So we are right near the top here. We're down to the last three minutes, and at least one of those minutes goes to you to tell us about <laughs> this uh, download link you've been threatening us with. <laughs> Hopefully I've been <laughs> enticing you. Uh, so 10 rapid cash strategies, how to create an instant and ongoing revenue boost. It's at rapidcashstrategies.com. Uh, totally free. And I would love to share it with you because it will illuminate all ten of the ways that you can bring cash in uh, and to create some of that repeat revenue that we all crave, as well as um, fill in the gaps on a lot of things that we, we started talking about today but didn't have time to get into in detail. So rapidcashstrategies.com. Of course, you can find all my stuff at melaniebenson.com. And uh, if, you're, if you're lost and want to know everything, that's, that's where to start. Yes, and I'll remind everybody that our guest experts all have profiles at businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And uh, in case for some reason that URL of rapid cash flow strategy, or excuse me, rapid, rapid cash, cash strategies. strategies.com went too fast, or you thought it said rapid cash flow strategies, like I did, even though it's written <laughs> on my piece of paper right in front of me, you can just go and find Melanie Benson's profile, and there'll be a link to it. So, Melanie, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an honor and an education. Uh, thanks for having me, Adam. It's so much fun to, to keep playing with people I've known for so long, and I, I really appreciate having you here. And I'm looking forward to connecting with those of you here that are listening in and going, yeah, I want more of that. So it's always fun to yeah. uh, make sure you tell me that you, you met me through Adam Homie today. All right, and that's fantastic. For everybody listening, this is I'm Adam Homie, and thank you very much for tuning in. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.